0: Jones Barron He's got it England
1: have won the World Cup By the barest of margins Stokes flashes it away Through the covers for four And England have won the match
0: Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, our look back at the first day of the second test from Trent Bridge, Nottingham. And well, all England's sort of worries came home. And interestingly, uh, some of you may be aware I've done another podcast called The Barest of Margins, in which, uh, in this latest episode, I interview two people from England's backroom staff about managing long days in the field and eating the right sort of stuff uh, with a nutritionist and England's lead trainer. The barrister and podcast is out and you can get it on any podcast network. And it's funny, isn't it, Simon, because that podcast, which I know you listen to as well, it, it sort of did reflect what are the challenges for bowlers in particular, fast bowlers, because if you do get stuck in the field, and it was from England's choice, obviously, that they're in the field this time, rather than in the first test when they were put into the field by the New Zealand captain. But It's a demanding environment to field all day. And one of the things that Phil Scott reveals, the England trainer, is that if they have to field for several days in a row in a test match, these guys run 50 or even 60 kilometres. So they need some fuel. So actually, eating a lot of food at cricket is a good idea.
1: Well, what I can say, I conclude from listening to your podcast, yours, is that the England bowlers will be eating lots of porridge and lots of bananas uh, tomorrow morning and lots of rounds of toast because that was what the nutritionists um, prescribed them to eat if they have to face all these sort of you know overs in the field it was it was if you play five day test match and you bowl 40 overs and you're a, a fast bowler you're likely to run 50k which is an extraordinary amount of uh, kilometres isn't it and translate that into miles it's an extraordinary amount of miles in a test match it just shows you how much a test match takes out of it. this idea you know you're standing around in the field all day and of course some of the England have fielders were standing around in the field all day. People like Joe Root just standing at slip and you know dropping a really key catch. But it shows how much you put into a game of Test cricket. And goodness me, England are going to have to put in a lot to get back in this game because New Zealand, it seems to me, in a very strong position at 318 for four after being asked to bat
0: first. Great credit to New Zealand, actually, for coming back so strongly after the first Test and also being asked to, to bat first on a pitch which offered a little bit in the morning, but but not too much. Uh, and so interestingly, of course, you mentioned about Joe Root uh, missing a catch there and a couple of other chances went begging as well. Of course, that is that isn't so much about fitness in a way, but it is about concentration, which is allied to fitness. And I wonder whether you know, th- there's two chances went flying through the slips no one went for, particularly a, a one late in the day. Uh, which went between Crawley and Bairstow, England caught so well in that first test, but it was all at the beginning of the day, or most of it, was at the beginning of the day when they caught so well in the first test. Here, sort of stuff went down or was missed later on in the day. It, it's it's got to be a concentration thing, and I think probably, and we maybe we need to go back to these dietitians and, and trainers to, to ask them this, but you know, possibly the right diet helps your concentration as much <laughs> as it does your physical fitness. I mean, I think the point is, isn't it, about what the backroom staff does, I and
1: mean, the whole idea. Your podcast is called the barest of margins, and what what we're talking about here is that extra half a percent, one percent, two percent, or whatever it is. But that, that that can't compensate for, you know, lack of skill or whatever. You know, those those you know mistakes. You know, those things happen in the game of cricket. You know, they they are human, and what what New Zealand were able to exploit today, I think you know, principally was that drop catch by Joe Root, who. was given a chance low down when Mitchell had three off the bowling of Ben Stokes. I mean, it looked a fairly straightforward catch, a slip catches go. And it, it seemed to stay in the air for a long time. And, and I think sometimes as well, when, when you've got a bit of time to think about a slip catch, then it, it can be the worst thing. You It's almost like Nick, bang out. It, it, it's that sort of feeling, that sort of uh, uh, reaction. Anyway, it, it's I don't know whether it just dipped on Joe Root a bit. He, he just got his hands in slightly the wrong place and it went down. It was a lowish catch, but a really sort of nice height at, at first slip. And... From that moment, Mitchell flourished. Root had another difficult chance at, at, at slip-off leech. I mean, that would have been a br- an absolute breathtaking catch if he'd taken that away to his right-hand side from a sort of back cut from from Blundell. And then there was the one where Crawley dived in front of Root. And, you know, what, what do you do there? Well, I think Root, it would have been a comfortable catch to Root's left. Crawley dived across him. Uh... You know, they say in the slip court, if you think, you know, you think it's there to be caught, go for it. Well, that was perhaps an error of judgment. And then there was that one you mentioned that that went between uh, Crawley and Bairstow and no one moved. It it was a bizarre moment. That was with the the second new ball. So that one was really late in the day. So New Zealand had, you know, they had a bit of luck today. uh, But goodness me, didn't they back well, Uh, Mitchell and Blundell, the the old firm from Lords, putting together another uh, century partnership. What about the decision then? to bowl first I mean it looks terrible doesn't it you put, you put the opposition in and a 318 for 4 at the end of the first day scoring at you know 3.65 runs uh, per over but New, New Zealand said they would have done the same thing it was a strange old day yours. I mean how many days in your cricketing career did you bowl when it was really windy and how many days did you enjoy playing when it was really windy
0: it's horrible, actually, wind, uh, a bit for, for especially for bowlers. I think batsmen kind of, you know, are fairly sort of inured to it because, you know, got helmets on and all that, so you don't notice it as much. I mean, unless it's really strong and it kind of knocks you off balance. But mm. it, for bowlers, it is hard, especially if it's gusty, because, you know, bowling is a precise art uh, and you, you want to land exactly in the right spot on the crease and, uh, you know, you have a precise aim of where you're going to p- 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 sort of target the ball and wind really does affect that it knocks you slightly sideways or it knocks you back if it's coming towards you actually it does affect the way the ball behaves as well people have been asking all day you know is it does can wind affect swing and undoubtedly it can I think if you're running directly into the wind that can actually help swing because it's cutting through the air with the wind coming towards you. But if you're trying to swing the ball and the, the, the wind is a crosswind, it destabilises the, the seam, which is the rudder on the ball. It also affects the, the way you release the ball slightly as well. Uh, f- swing is an unbelievably fickle art. You need the conditions to be perfect and the ball to be in the perfect position and the seam to act as a rudder to help that swing. And if anything destabilises that, whether it's uh, hot air rising off a very arid surface from sun or wind destabilizing that that little kind of microclimate over the top of the of the surface of the pitch it, it does t- totally disrupt swing so uh, you know in a way <laughs> you don't know that's going to happen necessarily when you win the toss you don't necessarily factor wind into it because if it's not a particularly strong windy day it maybe won't affect swing but today obviously was, and there mm. wasn't much moving in the first session. It's it, it's always a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, that decision from Stokes based on history a little bit, based on firstly the first test and New Zealand collapsing to, what, 39 for six on the first morning at Lords, and also the, the history of Trent Bridge and, you know, Stuart Broad 8 for 15 in 2015 and all that, uh, all those kind of things. You look at the pitch, you know, that particular game, the 8 for 15, in 2015, I I spoke to Stuart Broad that morning, looking at the pitch, and he said, I think we should bat. And I said, you're joking. Uh, That's going to nip all over the place. Look at that grass. It's eight millimetres long. It's going to seem... No, he said, I I think it's going to get worse. I reckon we should bat. Of course, quite rightly, Alistair Cook decided to field, and um, about an hour later, Australia were all out for 60. (laughs) Uh, But... It can be deceptive looking at the Trent Bridge pitch. It's never that easy to read. I thought I could see from a distance on telly a little bit of greenness there. Yeah. So I sort of understand why either captain would have fielded first
1: yeah, there was some green in the pitch. there's no doubt about that. And the rationale that Ben Stokes gave at the toss is very decisive. He said, we know we know we didn't think about batting at all. we We want to bowl. You know was that he thought that the pitch is going to be best for batting on the second and third days. And actually the stats at Trenbridge suggest that that the, the, the more runs per wicket, uh, are scored in the third innings of a Test match at Trent, which is over the course of history, of course, then it, it goes uh, third innings most, second innings second most, first innings third most, and then fourth innings uh, the least, which is probably what you'd expect. The The problem is, of course, is it looks as though England are going to be batting uh, last And with, you know, a a big deficit, I mean, they might, who knows, I mean, they might be able to roll New Zealand out for 360, come back as they did at at Lords and then get get a first innings lead back well and get the first innings lead and put New Zealand under pressure in the third innings. But it looks as though, yeah, England might have, you're going to have to chase a few in the fourth innings. And you know, one of, I mean, talk about the pitch. We talk about it starting with a tinge of green, but actually, it's quite dry as well. And Leach got the ball to spin, and there were one or two that just bounced a bit uh, unexpectedly, perhaps hit hit a crack or two. So there's that aspect of it, you know, in the fourth innings as well that England might have to bat on a on a pitch that's dry and a, and a little bit uneven. And I think it's fair to say and New Zealand have got the, the bowlers to exploit that. But, you know, we, we saw at Lords how the game fluctuated and one side seemed to be on top and then the other side came back. And in the end, Root won it, in the, you know, perhaps a bit unexpectedly uh, with that magnificent innings in the four things. So, you, you know, don't write England off yet, but you know, clearly you want to be in, in New Zealand's position. That, that, that you know, they, It feels as if they're, they're sort of quite well ahead in the game at the moment. And England are going to need something uh, quite decisive uh, tomorrow morning with both uh, ball and bat to drag themselves back into the match. <laughs>
0: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com.
1: BlueNile.com. So England putting New Zealand into bat. How did England use that first new ball, Yoz? What, what did England uh, do today that they didn't do at Lords when actually they exploited the new ball uh, pretty well in, in both innings?
0: Well, I think it was to do with uh, the lack of swing, actually. And there was movement at Lords. They were happy to pitch the ball up. They got the rewards. Here, the ball didn't swing. It may have been the wind, it may have been the ball. There have been a lot of issues with the Dukes' ball this year and, in fact, we've had messages, haven't we, both of us, from Dilip Jodia, the owner of Dukes, slightly bemused, actually, by what has been the problem. Uh, but anyway, for whatever reason, the ball wasn't swinging and that induces the bowlers to pull their length back a little bit because if it's not swinging and you pitch it up, it's too easy to drive the ball to the boundary. And... Trent Bridge, we know Trent Bridge actually, don't we? Because England have set two one-day records at Trent Bridge, the biggest one-day totals in history, both massively over 400 it's a fantastic surface if the ball doesn't move it's a beautiful surface it it just comes onto the bat nicely for driving and it sits up if it's short so it's a beautiful place to bat if there's no lateral movement and what England I think tried to do was find a bit of movement early on there wasn't any so they brought their length back to try and be restrictive and there just was a little bit of extra bounce at times from that slightly short of a length but the players played it very well uh, you know, there was the odd riding of a slightly lifty ball. What you want in that circumstance is some real pace, and obviously England at the moment don't have that. So, uh, I, I I sort of forgive the bowlers really because the ball wasn't doing much and the batting was very good. So that was why they they were slightly shorter than perhaps it was ideal.
1: The other thing as well to note today is how quick the outfield was. Yeah, I mean it was like light, lightning. So I mean that sort of adds a bit more sort of VAT onto the score in a way. And you know there were lots of boundary balls. There were lots of boundaries struck in that that first session. It was almost a you know a, a boundary in over at you know at one stage. And England gradually, I think after lunch they sort of had to think about it. And they I mean, they bowled pretty well in the afternoon session, really restricted New Zealand and and, and put the pressure on. But I you know, sort ultimately New Zealand got away with you know with great skill and determination actually Mitchell and and blunder I, I thought England looked quite tired I thought I mean not surprisingly I mean Jimmy Anderson thought I thought looked quite tired in that final session and there was one moment when he, he chased after a ball uh, towards the end of the, the day's play, perhaps in the last hour, when, I mean, he looked like the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. You know, he, he could, he, he was poor old hamstring seemed a bit tight. And he, had, he got his boot down there uh, to stop the ball. He's an old-fashioned uh, fast bowler, which you don't normally expect from, from Jimmy Allen. Oh, we don't normally see from Jimmy Allen because he's an excellent athletic fielder. Uh, but, you know, the day, not surprisingly, perhaps just caught up with, with him today, you know, back-to-back, uh, test matches as well. What about Matthew Potts today? A you know, great match at Lords, seven wickets at Lords. What a debut! Fantastic debut to come out and do that and win the game, helping them win the game as well. And uh, today, no wickets
0: mm. and quite a few runs. I think he was fine. Uh, I, I think he, you know, he bowled a few a little bit too full, but it's better that way, really, than bowling too short. Uh, I think his line was pretty good. Uh, you know, he bowled a few wide ones later on, which Daryl Mitchell hit some nice drives off, but. In the main, I thought he was pretty good. Actually, he kept his pace up. There wasn't much in the pitch for him. It's a learning process. Uh, I I thought I like his body language. You know, he shrugs if if it gets hit for four. He's okay. Smiles. Fair enough. You know, that's a good shot. Uh, I'll learn from it. I'll just drag my length back. I think he's got a really good attitude, and he looks as if he's enjoying it. Well, I mean, why wouldn't you? uh, You know, in your first couple of test matches. But he's looked strong to me, actually. You know, he he's got a great physique. He comes bounding into the to the pitch to the crease quite enthusiastically. He's got a really good robust action. The ball seems to come out come out of his hand well. He's got the, the 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 wobble seam delivery pretty much at his command, as well as the the orthodox ball. He was making it wobble a little bit. Yeah, he's he's going to bowl worse than that for better reward, actually. So I, I thought he was fine. I was a bit disappointed in Jack Leach, who I just feel you know, he has lacked opportunity, undoubtedly. It's a difficult uh, situation for him to be in to not get picked very much and then obviously unluckily get injured in that last game. But to me, he doesn't look any better, a spinner, than when he first played for England. You know, he still bowls that release ball, he doesn't really turn the ball that much. He doesn't. When vary you say release ball, what do you mean by that? Well, a, like a, a a ball that's fairly easy to deal with, not necessarily a four ball, but a ball the batsman can go back and, and knock into a gap for a single. So he's not building up much pressure. He only bowled, I think, two maidens today, didn't he? And three maidens was it yeah, three maidens? Three okay, three maidens. But mm. one of them was the last over the day, wasn't it? Um, And I I think, and we have said this before, I'd like to see him try things, you know, go over the wicket for a bit if there's no response from the pitch, just to change the angle, go a bit wider of the crease, go a bit closer to the stumps, just try and vary it. But you need to be confident to do that. And at the moment, he's still finding his way. So he's not confident enough to try any variations. I thought one of the
1: interesting things for Jack Leach today was, well, A, he bowled 18 overs. So, you know, England needed him to bowl, you know, a decent amount. So he got a good bowl. And actually, there was something there for him. Though it was a first-day pitch, there was something there. And, he, and he, at two or three occasions, he got the ball to spin. He got the ball to spin, bounce, go past the outside edge. And I think he, there was a moment where he bowled to Blundell, and Blundell hit him for four through the offside, just dropped a bit short. And then he did the next ball as well. Again, just a bit short. And you could see Le- Leach's frustration with himself, really. I mean, he knew that he... He wasn't bowling particularly well. and I agree with you. There was always that feeling that there was a bad ball around the corner, or a scoring ball around the corner, and uh, yeah, he, he sensed his own a uh, bit of frustration uh, today. And you know, uh, you know, offered a pitch that you know he might might have been able to mm. nip out a couple of wickets. Yeah, and he just, was, yes, I suppose you could say yeah. he was, he was a, yeah, he was a fraction unlucky in one way. Uh, there were two LBW shouts There were both umpires' calls. So, you know, the ball was hitting the stumps according to the technology and they weren't given. I suppose you could say, well, you know, they, mm. they rarely are given, those those ones. And they, you know, often haven't been to um, spinners in, in the past. Toughers were sort of saying, oh, yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't even barely bothered appealing. I wouldn't have expected <laughs> it to be given out. But England were, you know, leaping up and down. they You know, they were they really wanted it. And it, and it was umpires called uh, on, yeah. on both occasions. So, you know, there was a, a you know, not everything went his way. And, he, and the catch was dropped as well. And, you know, the back cut, mm. the root. Dropped. So, you know, there were moments for Leach, but perhaps just not that that consistency, that, that feeling that, you know, he can just rattle off maiden after maiden or just restrict it, you know, one, two runs
0: per over. Well, or well, conjure a wicket from somewhere. And, mm. I, you know, you mentioned Tuffers there. I played a lot with Phil Tufnell and, you know, he, he has a sort of slightly comic kind of image, I know. He was a clever bowler and he had that art of the ball on a string you know which he would just lob up and it looked innocuous and the batsman came advancing down the pitch but he was just able to apply a little bit of dip to it by by getting the ball spinning and you're using a bit of body to get a little bit of extra dip and and grip on the ball and he would you know defeat batsmen who came down the wicket thought it was easy and he just got he winkled one past the outside edge and a stumping or a dismissal resulted you know batsman sort of took liberties with him He suckered them into mistakes by a little bit of kidology sometimes, Um, you know, looking a bit of a clown, but actually quite clever bowling. Now, I'm not saying, you know, Jack Leach would borrow any of Phil Tufnell's mannerisms, but there was an art to his bowling, a natural kind of wicket-taking nous, which I just want Leach to find a bit of somehow. And probably that just, maybe that just comes with more, more bowling. Is it possible to find it, though? I mean, you mentioned the word natural there. It seemed to me
1: that Tuffers might have had that naturally. It was just part of his armoury. Um, mm. if, you, you know, if you haven't got it,
0: you haven't got it. No, I, well, maybe. I mean, it's in his character. You know, he, Tuffers was a, was, a, was a con artist in a nicest possible way. He, he suckered batsmen into mistakes. Uh, but with his personality and his, you know, his natural skill... Maybe Jack Leach will never f- find it. I don't know. You, you, sometimes you need to be a complicated personality, as obviously tough as Anne, to a lesser extent, you know, someone like Shane Warne are or were, to get the most out of spin bowling.
1: Mm. Uh, interesting day for Tom Latham, uh, New Zealand's captain uh, today, stand-in captain. It's the ninth time he's done it. He's won four and lost four uh, so far, he's been fitting in a bit for Kane Williamson over the winter because Williamson's injury. Williamson ruled out this test match with COVID. It's sort of one of the question marks that sort of hangs over the, the remaining parts of this game. Actually, you know, will any of the other New Zealand players uh, get COVID and how many replacements they might have to bring in? Uh, Tom Latham, he lost the toss, which in a way he's probably uh, quite relieved about. But then, I mean, what about that dismissal, yours? You you must have got bags of wickets like that. It was the old I Ian did. Botham wicket, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the, I got, old, the I got, old
0: long hop. Uh, oh, yeah. I got Alan Lamb out like that. It was beautiful. I, I just wanted to put my head in my hands in, in embarrassment. But I Ben Stokes read the race well, didn't he? Because he was gesticulating after that wicket, sort of showing uh, a batsman playing and missing at the forward balls and flirting outside off stump countlessly. And then... The long hop comes along, he, he, he batters it straight to mid-wicket. Good catch by, by Matthew Potts. I, sometimes the worst ball gets the wicket. Uh, sometimes you need to... Uh, but Ian Botham was a classic example of that. When he bowled absolute peaches and beat the bat and then bowled absolute pie and drilled straight to backward point out. Uh, his, first, his first test wicket was a drag-on, wasn't it? To, to, on, on this very ground, in fact, to uh, Greg Chappell. A long up outside off dragged onto to the off stump, and he he did that quite a few times, as well as obviously getting many much more authentic wickets. So Latham will be really disappointed, obviously, after that. But at least he to be proud of the fact that um, his team came through towards the end to 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 play uh, and get into a strong position. Just, just tell me, Trent Bridge, Nottingham. Just a, a sort of a, as a bit of an aside. Where are you staying? Because it's not a town for fine hotels is it
1: uh, well i'm not i'm not going to give away my uh hotel location but it's 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 um it's sort of like an apartment hotel so um i think one, one or two of our team were bemo- bemoaning the fact there's no bar in the hotel which you know she says a lot doesn't it about the uh test match special team and perhaps uh, journalists in, in general uh, but it, it doesn't have a bar it's sort of like north north of the the center of the city you're you're right actually i mean sometimes i think yeah i want i sort of wonder where the teams are staying there aren't there aren't stacks of really a uh, uh, plush hotels in Nottingham. not that we you know the bbc get, go for plush hotels we think of the players you know what you know what, you wonder where they're staying there's a hotel called the park um, which is on Maid marion way which uh, that i don't know the teams have stayed at in the past. But yeah, you're right. It's it's sort of quite a, a functional city uh, for hotels.
0: There's a reason for asking that question. I mean, I, I know that the players normally stay in a restaurant, actually. There's a nice restaurant up the hill, which has a, a few rooms, which is quite nice. And that's where England tend to stay. Uh, my first experience of Nottingham was actually in a test trial. I played in a test trial against Sri Lanka to find a, a fast bowler for the 1981 fourth test in the Ashes. So I could have played. Actually, I was one of three fast bowlers on trial in this match, and I was really excited about it. And uh, we stayed in a hotel which doesn't exist anymore. It's called the all. It's called. It was called the Albany Hotel. It was right opposite the the one you mentioned there on Maid Marion Way. And I was really looking forward to it. The first time ever in my career, I had a single room because we always used to share rooms. And so I had a single room, so I was very happy that I'd get a good night's sleep and ready for the first day of this match. And I was kept awake all night by some very naughty activity in the next room by, I think, two of my teammates playing in this test match Um, and didn't get a wink of sleep and bowled like a drain in the game. Uh, so I have bad memories of, of hotels in Nottingham, I'm afraid. Well, presumably they didn't get a wink of sleep either, so they must have had bad games as well. Well, they, they were sort of already kind of partly in the team, right. so they didn't have to prove themselves so much. Well,
1: I, 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 can't, um, I can't speak for any nighttime activities in Nottingham. All I, all I would say is that my hotel, uh, the walls seem pretty solid, and I can't hear what's going on uh, next
0: door. Well, good luck. And um, you're going to be there for a few days, so I hope you get a good night's sleep.
1: Yeah, well, I think you're right. It, it does look like a long test match, but at the moment, New Zealand, I'm in mean, a very good position to uh, exploit the fourth and, and fifth days of the game after an excellent uh, first day's batting after being put in. Well done, Mitchell, and well done... A blunder mind you that century big century partnership didn't help them uh, ultimately at lords and england would be hoping uh, that it's the same case here but i think they have to bowl well tomorrow and bat well as well when yeah. they get the opportunity they need uh, a and big score. To eat well and they'll have to eat well and they need well. <laughs> to eat well overnight
0: yeah. there'll be a glass of milk for each of the bowlers because more work to do in the morning and by the way that podcast again if you want to listen to it and listen to what cricketers should really eat it's called the barest of margins podcast We'll be back tomorrow to review the second day of this test match. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Sports Social
1: Podcast Network.